2: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice and Chris Beasley at Stuttgart-Fatto, all the major talking points at Goodison Park, and specifically today, looking back on a much-needed victory, 1-0 win at Sheffield United on Monday night. That man, of course, again, Richarlison, coming up with the goods and helping deliver three points and a well-deserved three points it was as well at the end of a difficult few games and some very underwhelming and disappointing performances but thankfully something far more positive for us to reflect on and get our teeth stuck into today Um, Preno um, what was was the most pleasing aspect of, uh, of Monday's win for you? It was a, it's a really strange one, to be honest. I was very, very
0: heartened uh, by the performance and the results when you consider what we all predicted at the tail end of last week. And uh, I'm ashamed to say that uh, a draw was the <laughs> best I saw was getting from that game based on the previous performances. It was like chalk and cheese. And, and for me, the, the, the reason was obvious, really. It's almost like um, Carlo has accepted that he really hasn't got the players to play 4 4 as effectively it's maybe 4231 I just think the system actually fitted the players at his disposal better. So as a result, you saw a much improved Andre Gomez performance. Um, You saw a much improved Guilfay Sigurdsson performance. You know, the two creative players in the team. I know there were massive amounts of chances created, but, you know, significantly more than we've seen in previous games. Defensively, you know, the the team has been solid, Uh, you know, so throughout even this disappointing period, wolves apart. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I think it's just that the system... Was tweaked to suit the players you know at his disposal, and as a result, we saw a decent performance. Obviously, the attitude and the intensity was better as well, you know, which contributed to us also. Uh, so, a bit of a conundrum, really. It just you know leaves Carlo thinking, you know, does he persist with that for the short term, or does he you know still try and you know sort of, basically shoehorn these players into a 4 4 And again, I accept that Duncan did that, you know, sort of for those games briefly, and, and it worked. So, you know, it's swings and roundabouts. But, you know, overall, I was very, very heartened. You know, after a period of... Fairly you know, intense disappointments, and left with a little spring in missed up for a change, and it's a while since I've been able to say that about an Everton performance.
2: Yes, indeed, they uh, they do that to you, those don't they? <laughs> <you>. they, <laughs> they reel you back in. Um, and um, <laughs> yeah.
1: what, what 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 most uh, pleased you about watching uh, watching that win? Yeah. yeah, it was. It wasn't just um, as as Dave mentioned um the, the the improvement um in, in the football that they were playing because there was some nice moves there and I thought that they should have probably won by more than one now. But mm. yeah the the whole um application, their attitude it, it was the things that have been questioned in recent weeks. Just um their 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 willingness to to win and they they they, they were much more determined looking and they're really on, on the front foot from from the start against of course a, a team who was gonna finish above them this season, surprisingly. But um yeah, they they they, show, they made that that class count. Like it it, it should be doing because I mean if we looked one to eleven, surely we'd be saying that Everton had more talented players than Sheffield United. But as this season has panned out, obviously they're going to finish um, below them. Yeah, but I, I was heartened because that's really been lacking in, re, in recent weeks. Um, just just um, that that determination and that those, those sort of attributes that Evertonians demand from their players, whether things are going um, well or whether they're going badly, and uh, yeah, it was it was much more encouraging
2: um probably you mentioned him and you i i wanted to talk about him anyway andre gomez it felt like it was more of the real andre gomez last night wasn't it it yeah. felt like more more of the player that we saw at his kind of at the sort of at the, at the peak of last season when he when he was when he was fully fit and in, and in tandem with the Drissa yeah. guy um the criticism of him recently has been has been largely justified. You know, I, I would argue, and I think that the que- well, the question marks, or rather than the criticism, have been have been justified. But yeah. do you do you feel that now that has been a bit of a turning point, or do you feel that you know there's there's still there's still some way to go before we're seeing what we should from Andre? There's
0: still, you know, so further improvements to come. But you know, certainly, even from 20 minutes in, you just thought, yeah, this looks a bit more like the old Andre that we saw, you know, so pre uh, that that appalling injury. And you need to, I don't know, ask the question: Is it now a question of sharpness and fitness so that he's, he's regained that sharpness again, which is why we suddenly saw that improvement? Or, as I mentioned earlier, is it the system? Uh, is it the fact that instead of playing in a middle two? And he's just got, you know, sort of two players fairly centrally, wide players who tend to do, you know, sort of sit in and do a you know a lot of defending, not as many options in front of him. The fact that he had three players ahead of him, you know, sort of try and, you know, target with his his improved range of passing, I wouldn't Pretend to have the answer to that, but you know I don't think it could be coincidence mm. that you know so the system you know was tweaked to suit him and to suit Guilfi Sigurdsson and they both looked significantly improved as a result. So it could be a combination of both. Could be a fact that you know he does feel a little bit sharper, a little bit brighter. Because again, it's not a big turnaround. You know, from uh, the game last week to the game on Monday, it was only a short period to prepare for us. But it did seem to be. Like a significant change in mindset entirely, mm. and and I was heartened, you know because players don't just. It's the old um yeah. isn't it? You know, so form his temporary classes permanence. And, you know, we know he's a classy footballer and uh, we knew he was going to come good eventually. And that suggested that, yes, you know, so we, we were worrying unnecessarily all along. There's still a class player, you know, so underneath all the other trouble, trials and tribulations he's had. And it was just good to see him, you know, sort of back looking like the kind of player that we've seen in the past. Let's not forget, you know, sort of Villa, even though he stunk the gaff out for most of the game, mm. still produced an absolute peach of a cross, uh, for Theo Walcott's equaliser. So again, that little gilding a class is still there, even when he's not playing particularly well. But as an acknowledged Andre Gomez fan, yeah, I was pleased and very heartened uh,
2: to see him performing as well as that. I just, I just wonder the bees, you know. And, I, and as, we, as we, you know, as I sat there last night in the stands and uh, and saw, you know, more of the old Andre Gomez come back and, and, the, and that confidence visibly course through his veins uh, as the yeah. game wore on. I did wonder going, going back to that moment, Preno was just described in that assist for Theo near the right. end of the Villa game, and just wonder whether can can form and and, and, and things change on such a such a uh, small moment in the game because it feels like that that final ten or fifteen minutes against Villa was more of the Andre, okay. and then again last night we you know we saw further strides you know in him going back to what to what we know.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they can. I mean, we've taught much too much in, in recent months about mental fragility and their uh, being um, um, Everton doing well in, in adversity or the fact that they haven't been doing. So to, to have had that Philip of of um, getting the, the the cross in there the, to provide the goal for your Walker, I'm sure that did um, boost um, his morale going into the, the Sheffield United game. Um, yeah, I'd want to see more of that from Andre Gomez. Um, we all know he's immensely easy on the eye, a real silky footballer, but I just want to have um, that that little bit more um, in the final third from him to, to start providing more assists, m- more goals, because there haven't been many of those. Um, mm. Given he's such a creative player, that he, he really needs to be contributing m- more in that final third. So, hopefully, it did um, help him. But I just I just hope he can take that into uh, the 2020-21 season whenever we, we kick off with that one. Yeah, mm. that, that thought went through my mind, Bezo. Um,
0: you know, when he had that shot in the uh, in the second half that went narrowly wide. I'm yeah. thinking, when was the last time we saw Andre Gomez have a shot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I know he's... Is it only the one goal against Wolves? Wolves, yeah, the yeah, one goal, yeah. That's staggering, really, you know, for yeah. a fellow of his quality. So, yeah, we need to see a lot more. Or that. And, you know, again, it's that down to the system. It's that down to what he's being asked to do on the pitch. We don't know. But he's got to start offering more in forward positions. But that's that's a good start, that, you know, one good assist, one decent effort, you know, sort of towards goal, you know, sort of general bit of creativity all around. Uh Part of his game that does need improving. But, yeah, that heartened me, that, an awful lot. Mm.
2: Uh, probably just, just stick with you. You mentioned Sigurdsson and, you know, another player that... <laughs> does feel as though a a specific formation has to be played to get the best out of him. Do you think he did well enough last night to convince Carlo? I know you've talked about it earlier, about maybe giving him food for thought. Do you think he's done enough to convince him that 4-2-3-1 maybe is here to stay or, or, or will... Will you know muscle muscle uh, into the formations a little bit more than than four four two? I, I thought Guilfi was good, and I think he was yeah. the position. I wasn't I wasn't sort of blown away by him by any stretch. So yeah. I'm just interested to know what you thought. It, it's 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 weird
0: with Guilfi because you know I watched his performance, and I'm I'm a fan of Guilfi Sigurdsson, but he just looked so much improved, and I'm thinking why should that be? You know, because, yeah. uh, you know, he, he was, he's in a tight space when he plays in the middle of a, you know, a midfield too. Uh, so you still should be able to, to find passes and, you know, sort of ping balls around to so the people about you. Uh, he was doing it last night and doing it very effectively, but doing it in a slightly more advanced position, that shouldn't really make that much difference, to be honest. Uh, I, I wouldn't have thought personally. Um, has he done enough to convince Carlo Ancelotti to persist with the system? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I suspect that with me and Carlo wanting to build... Um, is New Everton around a number 10 and around yeah. Gilfie Sigurdsson and I don't think he wants to uh, I think he's made it clear that you know sort of 4-4-2 is preferred formation so you know I think for, for Gilfie Sigurdsson to do that and I know in commentary last night uh, they talked about him you know breaking a world transfer record to bring in Gareth Bale um, I, I think you you would want a player of that quality, if you're going to build a team mm, around him, yeah. and with the be- with the best will in the world, I don't think Gilfrey Sigurdson quite has Gareth kind of Bale's qualities. Well, well, so, of course,
2: Car- Carlo obviously famously changed changed his sort of preferred formation when he went to Real Madrid to get the best out of uh, Ronaldo, didn't
0: he? Exactly. Mm. you've got a player of that quality, if you've got you know a Gareth Bale, a Messi, or Ronaldo, yeah, you are going to build a team around him. Gilfrey, you know, so quality though he has. Uh, no, he's not done enough to warrant having an entire team built around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, in fact, I want to add as well, while, while we're talking about the, uh, the the commentary last night, I saw a lot of, you know, sort of disgruntlement around on social media uh, yes. about the level of uh, I mean, obviously you're in the stadium, so you wouldn't have heard it. Uh, but it was, it was so poor. Mm-hmm. Clive Tulsley, I like a lot, uh, but I just thought that the commentary appeared to be, a little bit overly negative, you know, so against Everton. But then the so-called, you know, experts in the studio. I mean, Ali McCoist, again, a guy who I like listening to generally, but talking about how pleased he was to see Richarlison adding, you know, so headers to his game. <laughs> he's, been, he's been, you know, I think he's scored the second most number of headers in the Premier League this season. It's like, hang on, that's always been part of his game. You know, so that's just not suddenly belatedly being added. And then they were talking about midfield options and saying that, uh, you know, Morgan Schneidlin uh, currently injured. Well, I'm sorry, Morgan Schneidlin <laughs> is not an Everton player anymore. It hasn't been for some reason. I wow. who, who, who does the research for these people? So that, that was quite... I think he was off last night, wasn't he? <laughs> well, clearly, yeah. And, you know, some of the camera angles are a bit shoddy as well. A couple of times they, uh, they caught up with play, having been focusing on Carlo in the dugout when Theo Walcott's suddenly about to go clean through. So, yeah, you know, all in
1: all, it was a, it was a little bit disappointing. You know, so it was a, up. It was the artificial crowd noise that got me, Dave, because um, <laughs> about you. Um, well, during, during lockdown, I, I, when I've had the option, um, I've been preferring to go without the artificial noise, but um, yeah. it's too. Too much messing about, apparently and pressing buttons. I didn't quite understand to change that. <laughs> yes. So I, I I kept on with the noise, and it it, it was like the the Everton Wimbledon game in ninety four the, the noise of it throughout. It was like <laughs> find last yeah. it was really loud on the artificial crowd noise. It, yeah, it was you'd think it was like cup final atmosphere.
0: Yeah, it was. It
2: was
0: it, it, it was strange. I mean, the the actual action on the pitch was quite heartening, but yeah, the analysis <laughs> of it less so. so mm.
2: Well, I've cut final scoreline anyway from uh, ninety five, <laughs> and we'll take that. But uh, speaking about the match winner, um, Prono if if you could sort of cast your mind back to um, July twenty eighteen, we yeah. signed we signed amid a blaze of figures, which were probably a little bit misleading initially. You know, yeah. it, it, an agreement may may be 50 million based on was probably winning the Champions League and whatnot. But, sure. you know, we think it was, it was, you know, sizably less, but still a significant outlay for, for a young Brazilian player who'd had a good first se- uh, half a season at Watford yeah. and sort of d- disappeared somewhat. What were your thoughts, if you can remember at the time when we when we signed this player? I have to be honest and say that,
0: you know, I thought we were paying over the odds. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, Everton get an awful lot of criticism for spending large sums of money on players that haven't really delivered. I um, mean, Gilfie Sigurdsson's, you know, the obvious choice, you know, to huge sum of money for a man who's delivered on occasions, but you expect something a bit more consistently uh, for that kind of transfer fee. And likewise, Alex Aerobi is the latest one, you know, mm. who I have to say does look overpriced. But sometimes, you know, so when you want to bring in absolute quality, you do have to pay a premium price. Emerson did pay a premium price, and they've got quality. That's the one that you can look at and you can say that well, he hasn't just justified that transfer fee that was played, uh, paid, you know, so he's he's topped it. You know, he's actually worth significantly more now. Uh, it looks like an investment now, you know, so rather than just you know, so invest, investing in potential. So yeah, I was I was a little bit surprised, and you know, my, my eyebrows raised a little bit, maybe not to the extent of some of the media commentators, Paul hmm. Merson mentioning no names. <laughs> um well, no, he's, he's been absolutely excellent and he's absolutely key now, you know, sort of Everton going forward. Uh, absolute quality footballer, who uh, performs consistently. I don't want to put the mockers on him by saying this, but in touching wood when I say this. He seems to have a good injury record, he very rarely picks up an injury, uh, despite the number of yes. he spends on the deck. Yes, I was, about to, I was about to caveat that with yes. Well, yeah, well, yeah I was concerned the one he went down early doors. I thought, oh dear, that looks painful, that. But then again, mm. they all look painful when he goes down, <laughs> don't they? And yeah. he manages to bounce back up again. Uh, but no, it's it's that's the one, one of the, the, the very, very good parts of Marco Silva's reign is uh, recruiting. Mm. Uh, Richarlison, because he's been absolutely excellent, and he has his key, you know, sort of Carlo Ancelotti's plans going forward. So it just underlines that sometimes, you know, if you do spend an awful lot of money, you can get quality, you know, um, same thing happened over the park. I remember, I was all mocking and laughing at the transfer fee that they paid for Sadio Mane. Yes. Said, how, many, how many goals has he scored? You know. So what's his record of consistency like? Again, you know. So it doesn't look, you know. Well, he's uh, superseded that now, and he's worth significantly more. So you know, sometimes you know you can get it right if you spend a significant chunk of money. Everton did, and they did get it
2: right. Mm. Chris, I, I suppose the same question to you, pal. In terms of what were your thoughts when uh, when we were closing that deal? Um, yeah. Well, almost. Almost uh, almost two years ago now.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I think they, we must have been heartened by the fact that whatever we thought about Marco Silva, he, he knew Charles and he was the manager who'd um, brought him to Europe in the first place at, at Watford. He'd had a very spectacular start then and like the team obviously had, had, had tailed off badly the um, second half of the season, obviously, which meant um, Silva was sacked at Watford. So, no, I, I always felt that that was a, um, a a pretty fair price for somebody of his, of his his age and pedigree, young Brazilian forward. And yeah, much rather that Everton spends, you know top dollar for somebody like that who you think is going to uh, do well for you, or at least be worth considerably more in a few years' time. It was similar to Romelu Lukaku, wasn't it? They um absolutely yeah. smashed the transfer record, almost doubled it. It was fifteen million for Fellaini at the time. They paid twenty eight for Rom, and then yeah, obviously they went on to sell him for 75 or whatever it was, and even that within weeks of selling them because of, the, I think, with the, the Neymar deal, we thought, we thought, well, maybe could have got even more for him um, uh, when he went to Manchester United. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's that fine balancing act, isn't it, between um, spending top whack for somebody who you know can um, contribute well for you for a few seasons and be... I mean, you don't want to be seen as a selling club, but ultimately be worth considerably more in a few years. I'll, I'll just... Um, I mean, somebody like Sigurdsson, who is... Uh, Whatever we we think of him, he's got. They're gonna if they are if Ancelotti doesn't want to build a team around him, I think they're gonna to struggle to to really get any of that feedback.
2: I'm mm. um, just trying to pull it up now. There was there was a tweet doing the rounds after uh, after the game from. Uh... Uh, A guy called uh, Elliot Bretland, who I'm sure some of you listening to this podcast will know that Big Blue um, works in the media. Um, Romelu Lukaku scored 25 Premier League goals in his first two seasons at Everton in 67 games. Richarlison has now scored 26 Premier League goals in his first two seasons at Everton, albeit in 70 games and and one more to go. Um, You know, Rom, as we know, has, has become... Uh, you know, did become, uh, you know, a real, a real predator of a Premier League striker, you know, lethal and, and scoring in Serie A and, and, you know, commanded that huge fee to go to Manchester United. I mean, does that kind of underline Preno actually, oh God, this, this Richarlison, this lad that we've got, is actually potentially very, very special. Wow, uh, you, you've taken me by
0: surprise there. I, I didn't see that tweet, and uh, I wasn't expecting that you know sort of kind of statistic, because uh, you know I'm an acknowledged Romelu Lukaku fan, um, and I know he was still you know finding his way you know, into the Premier League. I know he uh, only had you know sort of half season at West Brom, you know, so before he came to Everton, and so he was learning and getting 90 minutes under his belt under Roberto Martinez, but he did learn very, very quickly and added goals, you know, so and quite quite consistently after that. So for Richarlison to have, you know, done that uh, at the same level mm-hmm. uh, is very, very heartening indeed. Especially when you bear in mind as well that, you know, we we tend to think of him as, as being probably more experienced than he actually is. Yeah. He's been around in the Premier League for a little while. And uh, he's a full Brazilian international. But still, is he 23 or you know, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he's still very, very young in football terms. Um, so yeah, there is clearly still you know some improvement to come. Uh, and he is improving. You know, I know when he you know arrived, he was asked to try and stay on his feet a little bit more and be a little bit more robust, which he is to a degree. <laughs> mm, <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe, maybe, a, maybe a little bit more still to come in that respect. Uh, but you know, other elements to his game, he's great in the air. it was quite funny after seeing the love-in between himself and Tim Cahill mm-hmm. on social media. Ah, uh, Tim Cahill straight away, you know, said, "Oh, wow, that—that's a finish." And then Richarlison replied, "Yeah, just like one of yours." Yes, um, and it was—it was a very Tim Cahill-esque header that one. Uh, that—that's part of his game. He's pacey, we know that. Um, he's very strong in possession as well, uh, and tactically, he, he's learning all the time. And he works his socks off the whole time. Um, he does. He's always chasing back. He's always filling in holes. And um, he is, you know, an absolute, you know, superstar in the making at Everton Football Club. And, you know, and I hope he's at the club for a long, long time to come mm-hmm. uh, because, yeah, we're only going to get more goals from him. Um, a very, very impressive footballer. And if we can get the right players to play around him, uh, you know, we still don't know exactly what uh, Carlo, you know, has got planned for him long term. You know, up till last night, it looked you know like he would be one of two you know central strikers. In which case, you can probably see even more goals coming from him. You know, so yeah. in, the, in the future. So yeah, you know, so another plus point, which is great. To, you know, when we've had so much negativity and so much misery over the last like three or four games, you know, to suddenly have. High points like know that you'll be talking about the young lad at the back. Um, Indeed, so Richarlison up top, uh, and a win at a place which is very, very difficult to go to against a team who got a major kick up the backside from their manager. You know, sort of pre-game, <laughs> Pl- plenty of heartening things. So yeah, it's it's good. It's it's a- it's a decent week to be an Evertonian for a change.
2: I think Sheffield United's player has got to kick up the backside post-game as well but uh, <laughs> sure. he, was, uh, he was not in the best of moods, Mr Wilder but uh, yeah. no, uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a compelling character and you can see why the, uh, the players uh, do play for him The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo But he's just on the headed goals, um, that was Richarlison's officially his fourth headed goal of the league season. It was, yeah. it was, quite, it was put to me, um, understandably on Twitter earlier, that should it not be five because he got one at Anfield, Well I think actually the uh, I think the stats bods at the Premier League have taken that one as a shoulder rather than a header. So oh, four. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's that's what's happened there. So uh, four headed goals, <laughs> but that's fourteen for Everton this season. Yeah. Which which is the second highest in the in the league behind um, our friends across the park, um, and the highest number of goals headed goals in the league seasons since we we uh, since two thousand and ten eleven. You spoke about Tim Cahill. It really is. I mean, you know, I I, I don't see. I, I think that's quite a significant step. You know, that's re- clearly an area of strength for us, and um, and and something that you know. Do, do you think that it's an area that when we're looking at players to bring in. Aerial aerial prowess, if you like, and that ability to to be a threat from from set pieces and what have you has to be has to be factored in.
1: Well, I we always love the header at Everton. Um, yeah, whether, whether it's <laughs> um, Andy Gray on the floor um, or diving header from you know against Sunderland that famous game. um Duncan Ferguson, Paul Ride out the Cup Final. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's still it's still big Bezo, really you can't up. go through headers and not mention Bob Latchford. It's not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, the the game is evolving, and maybe he's think um, in certain areas. There's maybe that aerial prowess isn't always quite needed. But yeah, there's, it is. It, it was a special moment. It was it was a lovely moment that last year. You know that that half second just before it goes in, and you know it's going in. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah it, 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 definitely. Yeah, and Dave's obviously mentioned about Rashardson already, and I think another impressive thing about him is the fact that he hasn't. Been playing um, as the main striker, Lukaku was always the, the main man up front, the number nine. He's been uh, has been playing off um, Calvert Lewin on, on, on the wings, but yeah, he's still there when it when it um, those moments, the set pieces. Um, um, just um, the, the way it, it it was said actually in the commentary that it, you know it wasn't just a, a glancing header of, of because the pace was on it from Sigurdsson's um, delivery, but you know he, he had to get the the power on that himself. But yes, yeah. Um, if, if the the players are are out there who can um, can do that, it's it's a bit it's been a big part of Everton's identity for a long time.
2: Mm. No, Bees uh, B B's actually makes uh, in a, you know a couple of really interesting points there. It's something that he, he sort of slipped in that maybe we need to consider. The game has moved on, of course, and you know teams like Manchester City and, and of course the way Liverpool have played this season. But you know the game in the in in in, in England has changed. But actually, do you think Carlo is looking at it and going well? We're not going to be able to necessarily match these teams that we want to be challenging within the table footballing in a pure in a pure kind of aesthetic sense and, and 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 you know play to play. We're not going to be able to match them in that respect. So we need to find another way of being effective. And do you think that's yeah. something he's going to have to look to exploit and build on even more? Um, you know, we, we've second highest number of headers in the league this season, which is which is impressive. Is that something that you think he will be really keen on?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, it's the old marginal gains thing, isn't it? You've mm-hmm. got to try and find every possible advantage that you can. Uh, and if you can't out football, you know, sort of the best teams, you know, sort of Manchester City and co, you need to find other ways to try and beat them. And that is by creating a solid base and a solid defence, which, you know, Carlo is already well on the way down to doing. And trying, you know, sort of create what you can elsewhere and set pieces is an invaluable part of that. And it's not just, you know, sort of teams that want to be, you know, so lower down the league that are doing that. I mean, you know, Liverpool, for heaven's sake, enlisted a a throwing coach at the start Mm. of the season because they believe that could give them marginal gains around the pitch. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sort of set pieces has been something that has been strong for Everton all season. But especially since Carlo's come in, uh, we seem to have been. More threatening and more potent uh, from free kicks, from corner kicks, uh, from you know so areas around the pitch. And I think we've got players, you know, with the ability to deliver good quality balls in. Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, Lucas Digne, uh, you know, so Bainesy on the occasions when when he is uh, involved. And if you've got players capable of getting on the end of them, yeah. you know, like Richarlison is, and you don't have to be a tall footballer to do that. Sometimes it's all about timing and about spring, you know. So as Tim Kagel proved so many times, indeed, so yeah, that is part of your armour. You've got to take advantage of it. And yeah. So you know, everyone are doing that. So you know, yeah, that, that ticks one box. There are lots and lots of other boxes that need to be ticked. You know, it's far too much reliance on one or two individuals yeah. to score goals at the moment. Richarlison being, you know, bearing the the majority of the brunt. Calvert Lewin, I know he's finding it a bit tough at the moment, but you know, so he also bears the brunt, which underlines again, you know, so if one of that partnership is struggling for goals, you've got to produce more goals from elsewhere. Yes. and that's you know, so sort of from the defenders from set pieces and the wide players, especially on uh, you know, we definitely haven't seen enough goals from the wide players this season or from the midfield players, from your Andre Gomez as your Tom Davis's, you know, the players that are played frequently. So lots and lots of other things to address, but yeah, you know, uh, if they are works in progress at the moment. You know, so try and take advantage of what we have got, you know, so in our armory, and that is, you know, great aerial threat and great delivery.
2: Mm, long may that continue. Um okay, moving on. Um it feels now that all all Jared it needs is that goal to, uh, <laughs> to to rubber stamp his uh ascension into the uh, first team falls as a permanent fixture at centre half piece. He's, he's uh yeah. I mean I mean look apart from that baptism of fire at wolves yeah ever since that that minute because it was it was it was a minute yeah. of, of two yeah. mistakes and he was punished but since then he's played you know f- over f- for another 45 minutes at wolves you know most of the game against villa a 490 last night the boy just looks m- just just so relaxed so composed he looks like he's been playing in the premier league for far longer than 3 games
1: yeah i mean it was amazing, wasn't he's it? he's officially the, the first signing of the, the carlo ancelotti uh, mm-hmm. era, given that he came in the January transfer window. I know that there seemed to be um, quite a lot of, um, um, of t- teams, a lot of interest elsewhere for his, his signature. So the scouts had obviously spotted something for him um, playing at Carlisle in, in League Two. Just, you know, a clutch of appearances for them. Remember, it's not like he's been playing for them for, say, the like eight, last 18 months. He's only really started to of come onto the scene yeah. there, then this season, this breakthrough season. But, yeah, it was always going to be... Um, a chance that this could happen given that Everton have gone through the entire season just so, yes. um, with just um, three senior centre-backs. Yes. With Kurt Zuma going back to Chelsea last summer and obviously Jags going to, to Sheffield United, uh, and uh, it, it was a bit of a concern that we were, um, it was always light in that area. So, yeah, they only took a couple of injuries in um, pretty um, quick time there to Yeri to, um, Meena and Mason Holgate and all of a sudden young Jarrod Branthwaite is, is in the thick of things but like you say, after that very difficult start, and it and it was like yeah, within a couple of minutes, um, a couple of moments in the minute there, where he given the free kick away at Wolves, he, he's just he's just settled into it. Even last night, um, I think a couple of passes early on were mm. went, uh, you know, went, weren't quite um, on on the money. But no, he, he didn't hide. He kept he kept um, you know demanding the ball. Good understanding there with Michael Keane at the senior partner there. Yeah, um, uh, obviously uh, Michael Keane stepped up there to. Um, to Talking through the the games and the, it's all about the communication, isn't it? The partnership at the back with those two, and and you know they look solid. Um, Sheffield United are the sort of team who throw a lot at you, and um, yeah, they they certainly uh, um, dealt with it, uh, everything.
2: Yeah, know what are your thoughts? I mean, it's oh, maybe on, how do we manage? Or how do the club, sorry, manage expectation around Jared? Because <laughs> three appearances, three very good appearances, um, but he's eighteen and.
1: Yeah. You
2: know, long may this form continue. He seems, he seems like he's got a very, very bright future. But inevitably, we don't want this to happen. But inevitably, young players, especially at centre half, they will make mistakes. Look at Mason Holgate; he's twenty-three. Yeah and now looks like he's, you know, well, he is first choice, but he isn't always, and it wasn't always easy for him, and he had to go out on loan to come back, and and things like that, so, you know, history tells us that the path won't necessarily be always smooth for Jarrod, so how how does Carlo kind of um, keep, keep control of expectation of the lads expectation of, of our expectations
0: yeah it's it's difficult and you know a lot can happen between now and you know so the young lads you know so basically creating a career for himself in the premier league i'm thinking of uh, there was there was a young center back uh, quite similar in stature called neil moore who broke through mm. in the um, the early noughties i think it was and only played about half a dozen games in the end Brendan galloway was another one who lost, yeah. you know so like he had a really promising future and then faded away So, you know, bright starts can, you know, can disappear very, very quickly. But what I like, especially about this uh, young lad is his willingness to embrace responsibility. Um, he made mistakes early doors. He gave away possession on three or four occasions, but he didn't let it bother him. Uh, you know, so he kept on demanding the ball. He kept on playing football, you know, so really well, there was an incident in the, was it in the second half early on where he effectively pushed Michael Keane out the way uh, <laughs> and, and, and said, look, this is mine. This is mine. You know, and it wasn't like a young man, you know, so deferring to, you know, so an older, more established football. It was no, I mean, charge here which was very very reassuring and refreshing to see um what beeser said earlier too he's only i think he only played nine games for carlisle uh, So wow. it under, underlines how you have to spot these promising talents so so early you know sort of beat off competition from elsewhere um and you know you do have to manage expectations and it's going to be difficult because people are already um, you know, likening him to other players. I mean, I know Gavin, who appears on these uh, pods, likened him to a young Terry Butcher. Uh, <laughs> I'm afraid I'm guilty. I likened him to a young Mark Higgins last night. Um and yeah, you know, it's just a natural thing to do, you know. When somebody resembles somebody in, in stature and in style, you start thinking of other players, you know, so he reminds you of. Uh, but an awful lot can go wrong between now and then So if, for the time being, don't do anything. Just carry on playing him. You know, the kid's yeah. playing with confidence, and you know, absolutely 100%. Should he play against uh, you know Bournemouth at the weekend? And then obviously it's a short, close season. You know, we'll see what happens starting next season. Uh, but as I said, uh, you know, on the pod last week, it could save, you know, so Carlo Ancelotti. A little bit of money in the transfer markets. You know, we went into this season without uh, a fourth centre back. We appear that we might possibly have one now. Uh, so you know, do do we need to spend on that area of the uh, field in the summer? Maybe not. You know, so maybe he's done enough already. Uh, You know, so to show Carlo Ancelotti that we do have four senior centre backs that we can rely on. uh, That places a lot of responsibility on his shoulders, but Mm. it appears to be a problem that he doesn't, well, he doesn't see it as a problem. You know, he he relishes responsibility. Uh, And, you know, the interview he gave after the game last week as well, he spoke very, very uh, Authoritative. Hang on, this kid's 18. Wow. You know, so he does. He, he speaks very, very well indeed. So, you know, we need to temper our expectations of him equally. But, you know, there's a lot to be excited about. He does look uh, a very, very promising youngster.
2: Mm. And I, I think it would be remiss of us not to talk a little bit uh, before we end. Because if we're talking about Jared's performances, and rightly so, because he's been excellent, I think very, very quietly since the restart, but with, with real sort of. Authority and, and, and a level of sort of um, composure. Michael Keane, Chris, mm-hmm. has been one of the, if arguably not the best player we've had in these in these nine games.
1: Yeah, I'm a, bit, I'm a big fan of Michael Keane. I think he gets a, a rough time. Uh, he's a really good lad and uh, really sensible head on those shoulders. Very very brave player, and he is what he, he is. I think some people maybe you know expect expecting you know, was like. Um, Franco Baresi performs the Rio Ferdinand mm. you know he, he's not you know he, he, he's not one of those bottle playing center backs yeah he can he, can, he can, you know he can distribute it sensibly but you know when it comes to those those um, core fundamentals the, 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 the tackling the organization that the, the heading as we've gone back to headers yeah i mean yeah, my, my, Michael Keane is, is is a real solid citizen and i, I remember um Speak to um, somebody who uh, a journalist who'd known Carlo from his, his days in Italy, but he was actually originally from Burnley, and he said, you know, Michael Keane is a, a really good, solid player, you know, in, in the right um, setup, and he believed that yes. Carlo would get the, the, the best out. I mean, like so many Everton players, he suffered from playing under you know a number of managers in such a sh- relatively short space of time. Obviously, he had that um, horrific um, foot injury, and he had the, the incident at Bournemouth when him and the Truce Gay. Collided, but you know mm. he, he's always he's always come back um strongly, and I, I I like I said I think some Evertonians are sometimes a bit guilty of um, underappreciating Michael Keane, but yeah he, he's a real solid option and a good lad to boot.
2: Mm. But, uh. Sorry. A, a word on on Keane. Do you agree that you know he's he's been he's been excellent um since the restart.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes we lose sight of the fact that um, Everton is a very, very big football club. And I know we have had a lot of flack this season, and you know what was that absolute nonsense not so long ago? Man, you know, so what is the point of Everton Football Club, which uh, you know it irritated me intensely, mm. uh, because you know, so looking at Everton's honours list, looking at the scale of the crowds, looking at so many factors, Everton is still one of the big clubs of English football. Yes. And when a player makes a change from a club like Burnley, and I know he started his career at Man United, but you know, so when a club makes a change from a club like Burnley to Everton, it can take a while to settle into the scale of football club and the scale of expectation. And it can be a problem. And, and we know, you know, so very early on he had his injury problems. And I also think he had issues just adjusting to the fact that this is a big football club where the scrutiny on you is intense mm. the whole time. And I think he's starting to come to terms with that now. And he's looking like, you know, sort of more mature More like a leader, more like a man who's willing to influence people around him on the pitch as well. Uh, And I think it just took a bit of time for him to settle into the football club and to, you know, so realise exactly where he was at. And I think he's done that now. And Mm yeah, he deserves all the kudos and, you know, and the praise that's coming his way uh, because, you know, so he's been, you know, one of the players that looks like. You know he deserves his place, and in the past you've always thought that. Well, okay, Mason Holgate, the guy who actually is the most consistent of the of the loss. Yes, he should be playing ahead of anybody else. But no, Michael Keane has matched that level of consistency certainly since the restart. Uh, so yeah, he looks like he's grown into an Everton footballer now, and you know, so again, you know that all goes quite well uh, for the for the future and certainly for for next season going forward. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, it's just just a final point. It's interesting. On you say that, because I had I had this very similar conversation with Michael um, in Switzerland in pre- yeah. pre-season, probably almost probably almost twelve twelve months to the day. Funnily enough, and I and I sort of said, you know, look, Michael Jags has left. Yeah, you are you are the senior centre half. Are you, are you do you feel ready to kind of almost take up that? that leadership mantle not the armband per se but that kind of you know leader at the back and he and he was he was basically saying he he felt ready and felt that he was he'd grown into that 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 role and um and it it was it would it would come but obviously it's taken taken a little bit of time this season but uh it does feel does feel as you say maybe that since the restart um it's, things have, have started to click for him, so uh...
0: it's it's also interesting as well. You mentioned Jags there. I mean, I know there are a couple of little pointed comments from Jags in the build-up to the mm.
2: game,
0: uh, where he suggested that you know he wasn't entirely happy with the decision to dispense of his services, and I think he described it as like the the easy option for Everton. Um, you know, and we were sorry to see Jags go. You know, sort of very committed, very loyal yeah. an excellent for Everton football club, but equally. If Phil Jagielka had been around this season, uh, given the injury problems that Everton centre halves have had, uh, certainly in the second half of the season, would we have seen a young lad like Jared Branthwaite, you know, sort of mm. making uh, you know a couple of appearances and getting the exposure he's had? Would we have seen Mason Holgate playing as much football, you know, as we have? So you know, sometimes you stumble across uh, you know sort of solutions to answers uh, fortuitously. Uh, you know, so maybe Everton were quite brave and letting them go when they did. And you know, we, we feared at the start of the season, yes, left yeah. exposed in that position, but you know, maybe it's worked out for the for the long term good
2: you know, so in the end. Mm, interesting. Okay, that's approaching 40 minutes, so we will wrap it up there. Thank you very much, uh, for your company, excellent as always. Uh, we will reconvene uh, Friday to preview the final game of the season Um, (laughs) Bournemouth at home of course uh, on Sunday at four o'clock so uh, Friday afternoon we'll be back uh, around to pod Prennel Bees, thank you very much for your company and thank you for listening this has been the Royal Blue Podcast you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo